My good buddy Frank in Austin. Frank, how are you? I'm doing well, Brian. Awesome. Uh, sorry, I just your your volume was quite low that time. Y- you went from like full blast to nothing at all. Weird. No blast. Yeah, uh, it's quite quite difficult to hear. Um, no, doing well. You know, it's uh, it's mild down in Austin in July, so <laughs> zero complaints from my side. Yeah, I was gonna say, don't say shit too loud. It'll fucking yeah. Do it. The broiler will be turned up. <laughs> no, it's it, this is a uh, a throwback to what was it? Early early February when I think I, oh. I indicated that we were through the cold and yeah, lo and behold, I, that ended up being uh, the worst ice storm in the history of the state. So I'm just going to say <laughs> that it, we are quite happy with the temperature at the moment. Not to turn it into weather talk 101, but. Um, you know, uh, we yeah, that, that determines your mood a lot of the time, you know, like it, it does, especially in the state of Texas where it's either yeah. fucking broiling or decent, you know, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, no, things are good. Things are good. Parker came down this past weekend, mm-hmm. um, had a good time. We, we saw a, a cover band on Friday called LS rock, which was fantastic. Like, was it Lone Star I mean, rock? Is it I don't, LS? I'm guessing maybe. I, I don't know. It was just LS rock. I, I didn't look too, too deeply into it. They just had that in the background. I'm guessing it probably meant Lone Star rock, but um, they, uh, they played classic rock like Led Zeppelin rush um, played the who I mean, it's just like everybody, you know, just guns and roses and the adaptability adaptability of the lead singer's voice to do all those yeah. was quite remarkable. Uh, gonna have to give them credit. If if you can see them, it's, obviously it's not original music, which is fine. I mean, ninety percent of it isn't original to the artist, anyways. Yeah. Um, but if if yeah, if you <laughs> if you just want like a good Friday Saturday night in a park somewhere, and they're coming through town. 100% go. It was a fantastic time. It's just, just it sounds like Yacht Rock. Yacht Rock cover band. Uh, yeah, but not Yacht Rock. No, no, I mean, that was a lead in to. It, 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 was, it, was, it was a nailing it cover band that could also nail Yacht Rock, probably. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have it in them. Yeah, no, absolutely. If you can nail Led Zeppelin and, and Guns N' Roses, you can nail any Yacht Rock out there, no doubt. Oh, my God. Well, y'all did something on Saturday that really got me excited. I was pumped for it. Ooh, yeah. I I don't know what the fuck is going on with my levels right now. So just go with me here. Okay. Yeah, so Saturday we uh, we went sailing. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because normally you wouldn't associate Central Texas with sailing, but we've got... A couple of lakes, especially Lake Travis here, that's kind of what's well, it's a river, right? So it's essentially limestone ground down over the millennia, water flowing through it. So you've got these steep cliffs 
And because you have steep cliffs, you've got the perfect environment for wind to kind of channel through, right? Mm -hmm. Like it does in the Grand Canyon and whatnot. So Lake Travis isn't obviously as deep as the Grand Canyon, but the wind can get going in, in, uh, in between the cliffs fairly consistently. Uh, not if it's super hot out and there's zero wind, but if you've got you know a little bit of weather around, you'll have wind on Lake Travis almost always. So luckily on Saturday, we did have some wind. Um, so we went, we went sailing and um, postcast last Wednesday, uh, Brian and I discussed an idea where I, I actually kind of just came up with it before the cast and I forgot to mention it until after the cast, but um, I told him Parker was coming and we're going sailing and I'd like Parker to wear a, a sailor outfit. And then as soon as we raise the main, he comes out from below deck and says in the outfit, now we're sailing. And by God, did he do that? Yeah. Um, yeah, so <laughs> luckily we did get to raise the sail. Cause if we didn't get to raise the sail, it would have been weird. All for right? not. Yeah. You might have all for it. not yeah. all for not. So, so there's a couple bets placed a, that there would be wind, which is a, is a crap shoot. Um, B that, you know, we would raise the sail essentially right after leaving the Marina. Cause otherwise everybody would forget. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, <laughs> It sort of it just worked perfectly. And I'm embarrassed to say I did some actual research on the outfit, not realizing, and I, I afterwards realized this was a 30-second bit. Uh, we could have put cardboard, like cardboard paper suits onto, onto Parker, and it would have been fine and just as hilarious. But um, I researched durability of these things, like not durability in the sense of I'm looking to find the most durable one, but durability in – the reviews for the bad ones were all this falls apart instantly. Yeah, which right? honestly, hindsight would have been the better deal. You should would have been fine. <laughs> would have been fine. Preferred, Absolutely actually. fine. Yes. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, ah, oh, we're not getting him one that falls apart. You know, like not thinking the bit's only thirty seconds. I was like, no, 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 we're getting him a decent one. And yeah, by golly, I mean the the, the man wore it for. A well, yeah, I mean, a hundred percent of the sale out outside of the marina, um, and then obviously changed back into um, swimming clothes. And on the way back, we were, you know, doing karaoke and whatnot. So, but yeah, he, I, the man wore it for a good two hours sailing. Um, got the funniest views, like people, <laughs> people next to the boat just questioning what's going on here. Uh, not quite sure if the guy's serious or not. Well, it was it was a great time. A mulleted man <laughs> in a sailor's outfit, costume, not uniform. I'll say costume. My one concern was Frank. Um, how long were those pants? Were the pants meant? For yeah, a... so they were the one size fits all. Ah, got it. I, I got and it. Parker, and we know we know our boy Parker's not the tallest individual in the crayon box. It, so it looks like looked like he had stole his big brother's pajamas and was uh, yeah. wearing. That's down why I Christmas started morning. taking just waist up. That's you good. Know, just waist up. That's man. good. They, they were they were quite tall, but yeah. It, <laughs> it, I mean, just great time. He Parker was such a good sport about it too. And it, actually, as soon as I gave it to him on Friday to say, you know you should wear this tomorrow for the sailing trip. 
uh, he was totally in. There was no, in his mind, he had already committed to it. No, yeah. And in the morning of, I was like, dude, you don't have to do the same thing. I was like, no, man, like, there's no <laughs> way I'm not doing it. Um, so, yeah, I know. It was, it was totally, uh, I don't know. You know, th- we do things for the laugh sometimes, and this was a good bit. It was a good bit. Man, I'm so happy that it all came together. I really, really am. Yeah, it just was. I mean, even looking back at the pictures, just absolutely hilarious. Great time. (laughs) Great time. (laughs) All right. Well, are you uh, drinking anything this evening or are you uh, are you sipping on water? What do you got going on? Yeah, no, I've got some water, but I also have a. uh, Well, let let me do the plug after. What are you drinking? Okay, so uh, I am actually I went by and picked up some beer after I got paroled on Tuesday. Um. That's what I'm calling it because I have to go back to work. It's not a fucking vacation. It's just like strictly like weekend leave at this point. Like I feel like I'm gonna get dragged back to work if I don't fucking. I I'm not in a good spot with work. It's what I'm trying to say. So Tuesday. Wait, when, so you're drinking Pearl? <laughs> no. <laughs> Where'd you get? I'm very confused at this point. Sorry, you said. I, I thought you said I'm drinking Pearl. No, I I got I, I went and picked up beer when I got paroled. Oh, I thought you said, and I got pearled. No, I got paroled. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll, uh, I get I'll, it. I get it now. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's yeah, all good. I apologize. Um, so I stopped by work uh, after work. I, I went across the street to Celestial, uh, okay. beer works there in Dallas. Good shit. And I was like, you know what? I know Frank likes it. I'll pick him up a mix four pack. And I'll bring it down because we're meeting up this weekend. So that's like, big money, no whammies on that one. Well, because you know, pulling all the stops for my friend here. Anyway, and I was like, treat yourself, Brian, uh, because as they had everything, they they, to my knowledge, on their menu, they don't sell four packs; they just sell individual cans. So, and all the cans are like five to goddamn twelve dollars. So you can get them in a four pack, but you're going to pay. You're going to pay per can. I was like, thanks. I really appreciate that, guys. Anyway, uh, so I, I planned on getting uh, two of four different types of beer, all in the hazy IPA category, staying away from their sours. Um, and what they did was they gave me uh, three different beers and then uh, two of one of the beers, uh, making up a four pack. You know what? I'm okay with it because wait till you hear what beer they gave us two of. So uh, it's a beer called Modern Problems Require Modern Solutions. This is a collaboration brew with Smittix Brewing. Smittix Brewing ooh, is ooh, a, ooh. Smittix is a home brewer from Dallas, the Dallas Fort Worth area, um, and Smittix uh, makes some badass beers. He actually won Martin House's home brewer competition a couple years ago with like a maple flapjack porter. Uh, anyway, uh, this beer is an India Pale Ale with south african hops so they have african queen and southern passion hops added in here and at six and a half percent it's actually uh i mean it's it's a a merc dark here i mean it's hazy as shit but the flavors that are coming out of here are really 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 unique and i mean that in a really in in a positive way not like i'm not searching for unique and going yeah and then pouring the rest of it down the drain no this is really good um, but it tastes unlike any other IPA that I've had. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, man, I didn't know that there was something defined as South African hops. Like we, we grow hops, obviously, but. Right. So African Queen, 
um, is a is an actual uh, like South African uh, proprietary hop. Basically, so it's, it's like Pinotage when it comes to wine. Yeah, so uh, it's it, they're with with hops. They have uh, anytime they do crossbreeding with experimental hop varieties, they have these like alphanumeric names. Well, um, African Queen is a crossbreed of two alphanumeric experimental hops, and they produced African Queen, which uh, has flavors of berries, stone uh, berries, stone fruit, and melons. Makes um, sense. I would give it melon, like ripe, super ripe green melon, and um, maybe some like mm, lighter berries. Now, the Southern Passion is a unique hop in that it's basically uh, it's a blend of noble hops. It's a cross. It's a crossbreed of Czech Zatz hops and German Hollertau hops. So um, okay. they then they started growing those that this uh, that crossbreed in South Africa. Uh, creating okay. Southern Passion. So both of them unique to South Africa. Both of them really unique. I've never tasted both of them. I've, I've had Southern Cross before, or Southern Passion, I'm sorry. Um, but I've never had uh, African Queen before. You know, it's an, it's actually kind of interesting because I would have probably called it Southern Cross. There's a, there's, I'm pretty sure there's a Southern Cross. Is that from New up. Zealand? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, that would make sense because they, they're proud of being able to see the Southern Cross even though everybody else can um, <laughs> Jesus, it's the, in their fucking flag, dude. Yeah, like, come it's, on now. It's it's as though it's only visible. And he's no. If you cross across the equator, you can see the Southern Cross. Um, I, I will yeah. say this: the New Zealand Southern Cross hop cone is it's good. I, hold, well, hold on. I'm just going to share this. I'm going to try to share my screen with you um, and not like deaf, deafen you. Uh, I think it's overcompensating for something, you know. Look how long it is, is what I'm trying to say. Can't see it yet. Oh, you can't? Oh, fuck, no. fuck me. Okay. You know what? It's the, the joke there is that it's a long, long and skinny Phallic hop shape. cone. Yeah, it's the most dick-like hop cone I've ever seen. So Let's see. I'm going to pull it up oh, on my screen. Oh, I was going to say. I was gonna yeah, me. No, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. It's so, yeah. most of the, most hop cones are kind of short and squatty. This one is Not long and skinny. Long, yeah. it's poking poking around the belly button there. That's fair. Um, good, yeah, man. No, that's good. So that's interesting. I can't wait to taste that. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do they how do they obtain that hop? Is it all dried pellets or? Uh, yeah, most of them uh, that are coming in from overseas, in particular, are going to most likely going to be pelletized. Okay. Um, the those two hops in particular. They have a pretty robust alpha acid rating, so uh, an alpha acid's usually kind of king when it comes to pricing on these things. Uh, so they're probably pretty pretty expensive. Um, they are also very very rare because Anheuser Busch had a situation where they bought all of the hops in Africa, mainly in South Africa, for like three years. So any South African hops that we got in American craft beer uh, were. Like either overruns, like they they overproduced low in a grade crop or lower grade that um, Anheuser Busch couldn't yeah. use. But uh, you, you start to see see them creep in uh, to the American market. I don't know if the hop growing season is the same there as it is in New Zealand, because typically hops grow on parallel on on uh, the uh, latitude lines. Forty eight forty eight parallel is typically where they grow, so it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with you know. Um, 
like weather so much. It's literally the amount of sun that the hops get during growing season. So during certain times of year when the earth starts rotating back up, um, that's usually when hop harvests happen. But it's there's probably, no rhyme or reason. It's probably a similar um, growing season. It might be a little bit they plant sooner and harvest sooner yeah. is what I would guess. But um, the weather patterns are fairly similar um, sun angles, yeah. They probably they, they probably just grow all around a little sooner. Yeah, like maybe a week or two. It's not that long. Well, and also as I was as as we're sitting here talking through the logistics of uh, Frank and Brian's uh, hop import export, obviously they were going to be starting after this. I think the travel time from South Africa to brewers in America is probably going to be a little bit longer than New Zealand to California, which is already a pretty regular occurrence for yeah, hop so transportation right now. It's not. Um, well, no, the, New Zealand to California is, is what I'm saying. That's the regular. Yeah, sure, but piece. are they flying it? If they're shipping it across the ocean, okay, if they're flying it, yeah, it'll be sooner. Well, I was going to say, cause the reason I say that is because they have <clears throat> wet southern hemisphere, uh, wet, hop, wet hopped beers, which means typically hops are delivered into kettles in under 24 hours. Yeah, fair. Harvest. I mean, okay, so so... If you're flying, yes. If you're shipping, anything, no. Um, so yes, that, that that makes sense. I, I would imagine the dry pallets aren't getting flown over. Um, that would be a complete waste, of, yeah, <laughs> of drying the pallets. Um, but yeah, you know, it's interesting because the 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 hops game has not taken off in South America quite as much yet. And it would be very, very interesting to see when that happens. Cause it's, I think where way the, easier to get that shit up here. <laughs> I think where the, uh, prime hop growing areas are, are very mountainous in South America. Mm. And I think elevation does play a bit of a game, uh, when it comes to, uh, how, how effective growth on those things are. I know hops will grow. They're a fucking weed. They will literally grow anywhere. But are, aren't we already at the point where it might just be growing hops on barges time? <laughs> I mean, here's the deal. Uh, Mexico and New Mexico and parts of Arizona are trying to grow hops now as a viable crop. Yeah. Now, I just want that to sink in for two seconds. New Mexico. The is, driest part of not Arizona or Nevada. <laughs> yeah. And like the part where Mexico was like, nah, you can have that part. We're good. We you don't, can have we this. We don't yeah. need that part. Uh, they are trying to grow hops as a viable crop. They can't, like, I'm pretty sure they can't grow corn there. I think the only thing they can grow is hatch chili in Texas and then ship it to New Mexico. I'm kidding. I think they yeah, grow I don't, hatch I don't think New there. Mexico can grow a lot. They, they, the soil's super sandy they, so they whatever do they grow has to be meth they grow meth pretty well in new mexico from what i've they're very good at that meth is, is meth. A, it's a bumper crop every year yeah <laughs> the government actually subsidizes the yeah, meth yeah, industry yeah, they're yeah, like yeah. I don't know, who are we gonna arrest the same four people no how much meth did you produce this year all right fair enough fair we're gonna take whatever your school you bus from sell, you next we'll, year we'll buy we'll buy whatever you can't sell it's okay yeah <laughs> fucking all right so, what I'm drinking is the uh, African Java Pinotage by Van Luifren. And honestly, the only reason I'm drinking it is because I have a bottle open that was from the tasting on, on Sunday. And 
Frank and uh, Willem did a little thing with the family, and we we launched our uh, own wine club. So um, it's it's not only a wine club, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's very much a wine retail business that you can purchase from online. Yeah. Um, but in the interest of you know giving people kind of a taste of what um, we can provide, we do have the club for those that are not local to Austin and can't come to the winery to taste and, you know, experience everything. Um, So um, with that being said, I'm having the African Java Pinotage and it's, it's a Pinotage. If you don't know what a Pinotage is, Pinotage is a varietal. Um, It's a cross between Hermitage and Pinot Noir. Um, It's super balanced between the two. So it's not Hermitage is like a super earthy grape. Pinot Noir can be very fruity um, this is like a very, very clean balance between the two. Um, and the African Java is sort of the answer to um, – it's South Africa's answer to um, apothic red and apothic barrel-aged wines. Okay, So there is kind of this movement in wine where people want to taste not just wine but some interesting characteristic, maybe some smokiness that's not necessarily inherent to the grapes – which is fine. Like some of that flavor can can enhance um, aspects of the of the experience. Um, it's a little bit sketchy on how places like Apothic get to that flavor, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what I would suggest is, you know, um, Apothic becomes in in creating that flavor, they become more of like a wine cocktail than they do an actual wine because they add so many flavor additives and color agents and uh, whatnot to 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 get that flavor. So where this wine that I'm tasting tonight is very different is that it's still 100% wine. Um, The only thing that they did is they took a, a French oak barrel and they charged it, they charred it very lightly. Um, so there's a char scale, and Brian can speak more to this on the bourbon side of things. I believe it's zero to ten, maybe twelve. There's a scale, mm-hmm. and um, this is like a char two three. It's okay. a very lightly charred barrel that they will then put this wine in uh, for three months, and it becomes this like smoky coffee flavor. But it's not. It doesn't take away from what the Pinotage is is presenting. Right, so you kind of up front, you get this. It accents and supplements, it, it, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It accents the wine in such a way. Yep. Um, so what's interesting about this one, and, and South African wines in general, they will never veer away from, you know, making pure wine. Mm-hmm. They, they don't, they're not, actually, they're not allowed to. So you can't make a wine cocktail like Apothic Red and export it with the uh, the certified uh, labels from the country. So with all that being said, um, I'm having the African Java tonight. Like I said, um, we just launched the wine club on sawinos.com. Let me ask you, because so <clears throat> you kind of breezed over it, and I know it's because you and I have talked about it several times off, mm-hmm. off air, but... This is not just a regular wine club. It's uh, a wine club focused on South African wines. If if if, well, if you haven't picked up on it at the, by this point, uh, but is that correct? And it's not just wines either, right? Yeah. So so we're starting off with what we know, 
um, which is South African wines. But the concept is the concept will grow a little bit. Right. So what we're trying to do is present the reason I don't want to kind of pigeonhole it into South African wines is the purpose of the club is to find family owned establishments um, that represents good value, unique varietals um, produced properly. Right. That's kind of those are our three ingredients to this wine club. Um, South African wine is what we know. So mm-hmm. that's what we're launching with. Uh, that's what we launched with on on, on Sunday. Um, but we do intend to bring in some um, other regions that that people don't necessarily see as being well, not necessarily to, they don't see it, but that have very very similar characteristics, right? So mm-hmm. Spain, Greece, Portugal, um, Cyprus. Israel, there's there's a lot of region. We're not going to focus on France. We're not going to focus on. Hey, this isn't the wine club. If you want to like get Napa, <laughs> have any? Have you ever heard of Mendoza Valley? Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I, I say so, that so we're, to try, say, we're trying to bring good wines to people that um, they won't find in specs. They're not going right. to go find um, in their local liquor store um, at a good price. So we're we're not we're not trying to get you. There's a lot of wine clubs out there that essentially they're trying to tell you, oh, we get you fifty dollars worth of wine for twenty bucks. Okay, so if you if you really think in your mind, what is that business model, right? They're going to have to pay about nine bucks for that wine. Yeah. So we're very forthright. We're going to tell you, no, you're going to get about ten percent off on the wine club. Um, we'll get you somewhere in the neighborhood of $68 with the wine for 60 bucks. We'll give you an additional 10% off continuing, mm-hmm. but it's going to be worth our wine from a per bottle perspective. If you compare it to any other region, um, even the same region in some points will be worth about 30 to 40% more than what you're paying. So we're trying to find you that sort of diamond in the rough, Well, um, and- which is what the wine club should be. We're not trying to dump wine on you that, you know, is is sort of super profitable for us, right? Um, well, and that's the that's the thing that I was talking to Mrs. Brian about. I was like, yeah, okay. I like all all like pricing aside. If I'm going to do a wine club, I want to do a wine club where I can experience some stuff that I would not be able to try when I go to the you know a store around me. Like, okay, does this check the box? Yes, absolutely. And then it goes to. Frank has never poured me a bottle of wine that I was like, it's terrible. Or even that it was just meh at best. Like every one every one of the bottles that he's he's poured for me has been fucking phenomenal. Some of them so good that um Avery and I fight over them uh when he leaves to see who gets to finish the bottle. It, you know what? It's normal. I feel like that happens to all couples. Um, and 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 not a single bottle that I've ever poured you has been over twenty bucks a bottle. Well, and that's so, the that's the thing. And like for for me, like this is this is where I come from uh when it comes to like wine clubs and whatever. I'm like, okay, dollars per bottle. When it comes to like me picking up a bottle at a grocery store, it's like nine to twelve dollars a bottle. Now, that is grocery store wine. That is like, you know, total wine wine that I'm picking up to complement my fucking bourbon that I've purchased and my all the other shit. And then I'm like, okay, but that that quality of that wine is a nine ten dollar bottle of wine. The quality of Frank's of the the like eighteen dollar bottle of wine is far and beyond <laughs> what that like 
it's it, it goes back to what we talk about when it comes to prices for beer. Uh, beer prices are, yeah, sure. Sometimes there can be a bit of a sticker shock, but then when you look back at like, okay, yeah, this you know four pack was twelve dollars. That's still three dollars a pour at a bar. I would fucking shit my pants if I got charged three dollars a pour for a beer that was that good. When you look at wine, especially when you think about going to a wine bar, fuck off. You're paying a shit ton of money to try this wine um, out at a restaurant in a stuffy setting that might not uh, line up with with, with yeah, what and, you want going on. And people have to understand how that works, right? Yeah. Like, there's there's a significant amount of the, the, the alcohol wholesale industry that's driven by uh, volume, which makes sense, but it, it also hurts the industry. So yeah. if you have to push Josh Cabernet Sauv that has been terrible for 10 years running – um, because, you know, just because, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it leaves a significant opening. Like, I think the part that frustrates everybody who tastes the small kind of, you know, family single vineyard wines is there's so much better. Yeah. We're not talking about like. This is craft beer circa 2006. It's boutique cigars right, like right People now. are catching on to it. Yeah, people are catching on to it, but they don't really know what they're catching on to. Yep. So if, if you're out buying wine and you buy some off-brand that doesn't have a vineyard associated with it, that can't be traced back to some piece of land, you're buying trash. It's, it's, it's it, it, like it's guaranteed to be trash. Well, um, it's definitely, it's it, definitely going to fit the price point in which you paid. Yeah. But, it, but, but what, the reason I call it trash is because there are, there are single estate vineyards available for that price. Mm-hmm. So the, the thing about wine, isn't the region, it's how it's made. That's period. End of story. So if you can find single estate vineyards, right that you enjoy from regions that are cheap, i.e. Portugal, Greece, South Africa, um, South America in general, um, <clears throat> you are going to have a much better experience, even if it is two to three bottles or two to three dollars a bottle more mm-hmm. than you will drinking some Josh Chardonnay for $17 that doesn't come from an estate. It's just excess grapes grown in Napa that gets its own label. And that's what people don't understand. Like the, the education around craft beer, right? That has been uh, twenty years in the making, even more. Um, it is starting to happen in wine as well, and where where kind of the differentiating factor for 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 a lot of the um, the wineries could be um, is is. You know, do your own grapes, do your own winemaking, don't import, don't, or don't import, don't, don't get grape excess from Napa, et cetera. Um, make, make do with what you have because <laughs> otherwise you're just Apothic Red, you're just Josh. It's, it's all the same stuff. Um, and quite frankly, it's not what it should be for the price that people pay. So with that being said, we focus on single estates. We'll never not do single estates. Um, we do focus on family owned. So you're supporting small businesses across the world. 
Um, we do focus on um, family owned for the most part, um, which, you know, <clears throat> can be difficult. Sometimes they're partnerships. Yeah. Um, so they, they all come from certified wine growing regions as well. So if we do import from South Africa, they do come from where the uh, South African Wine Institute indicates that grapes should be grown, how they should be grown. The standards down there are as strict as they are in France. Um, so if, if it's interesting to you at all, um, do go to sawinos.com. Um, sign up for our wine club, buy some wine if you are so inclined. Uh, we do have a discount code, MBLB10, and uh, it does work. It uh, does work. All right. <laughs> It'll get you 10% off. Um, and when, if, if when you, you texted uh, me that, I got so happy. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, it, we have something that works. It does work, yeah. It'll get you 10% off. Um, and... You'll also be able to uh, experience some wines that you probably never have. The first month, uh, we're shipping two sparklings. One is a Chardonnay. Or they're both Pinot Noirs. I don't know why I said Chardonnay. No, no. Um, they're both Pinot Noir-based champagnes. Uh, one is a rosé. The other one is a straight-up. Uh, and then you'll get either a Jasoma uh, mix from Louis Oostazen, which is a Bordeaux blend. Ooh. It's very delicious. Um, or a straight-up Cap Sauve from Boulant Cellars. It's their reserve selection, which is also phenomenal. So, um, yeah, the quicker you sign up, it'll determine which red you get, but you'll definitely get uh, uh, one of the two champagnes. So, or you'll get both champagnes, sorry, not one of the two. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's exciting. We're, we're, we're looking forward to kind of introducing people to wines that they would have not necessarily just come across um, you know, at specs yeah. or twin liquors or whatever, you know. Well, I mean, unless goody, you goody, goody. unless you go specifically looking for single estate wineries, like, and you know what to look for in those, like, all right, we're already two barriers way deep to entry. I, I'm like, yep. I, even I get overwhelmed when I go to look for. I have to make a list when I go to look for beer, honestly, because I will get so fucking sidetracked. I will be like, okay, I'm going for these styles because especially when I'm doing like deep dives into uh, you know BJCP stuff, like okay, I'm looking for these three styles: brown ale, nut brown ale, and like you know English porter. And then I'll walk out with Firestone Walker 805 because it was on sale. And then I'll be like, oh, they had a new uh, you know double IPA from Boulevard. I'm like, okay, I'll get that. And then uh, I have like 18 other things, and then not have what I went in for. Uh, and I've been doing this for nearly a decade now. And, and when I say this, I mean like buying high-end or very specific beers for nearly a decade, and I still fucking do that shit. Yeah, so we um, – what I will say is is for for the way that we've ran – so before we did kind of retail, we did distribution, right? And we still do distribution. We just have a different license that allows us to also sell to the public. Um, and – uh, we don't have a wine that comes into um, our portfolio that isn't tasted by about 15 to 20 people yeah. that we get feedback from. So we have a lot of palettes that go through each and every bottle uh, that we collect feedback from that we end up saying, okay, that's the one or that's not the one. That's why when you look at the website, there's a limited selection. Um, 
It's because all of those wines, if you like sweet wine, there's a sweet wine for you that a lot of sweet wine people enjoyed. Right. Um, if you like Cab Sauvs, that Cab Sauv has gone through 30 people. Um, so we, we, I mean, obviously we're a small business. We can only invest so much in inventory. So we go through the effort of making sure that what we buy is worth buying. Yeah. Um, so you're never going to really go wrong if you see a style buying the style. Um, and then obviously if something is wrong with the bottle, whatever, we'll replace it. Um, not an issue. It's, it's wine. It's not perfect. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, just like I say about beer, like anything that is fermented and packaged and shipped, that is a living piece of art. Like, yeah. One, it's subjective from person to person, but two, it can change day to day. Um, having it at the perfect time is also subjective to the person who's having it. And the scenario setting and time that you're having it is all will also affect your experience. But every one of those pieces put together in at the just the right time, just the right place with just the right people and just the right beverage is fucking magical. Yeah. Um, and you up those chances of all those things falling into place when you have a really good product. Um, so, uh, Frank, I'm excited for y'all. Uh, I, I was excited when SA Winos went up. I was like, wow. Okay, first off, went hard with the Winos. Love that. What was the discussion <laughs> with the, the, the naming of it? And have you gotten any pushback from the douchebags in San Antonio? That's my, those are my two big things. <laughs> no, not yet. Okay. And also, um, Winos, you know, like, it's funny because... Like in America, they're essentially wine alcoholics. Right. And everywhere else in the world, they're just people who enjoy wine. Right. <laughs> um, so it, it's it's funny, um, but irrespective, it, you know, it's it's a little edgy, which I like. Yep. Um, we're we're doing things different. So I, I think one of the other parts that um, people don't necessarily know about that they should know about is we. Uh, we operate out of a warehouse. We don't, we don't have a bunch of overhead costs that will eventually get passed down to you <laughs> in terms of wines by the glass. When you come to pick up parties or right. wines by the bottle, like we, we are a wholesale wine business that would love to sell you wine <laughs> at, you know, Costco level prices. So you're going to walk into our warehouse. It looks like Costco. Um, and that's, that's the intent. It's, it's wholeheartedly intended to be, the cheapest way to get you wine at a good price at all times. Um, now, whether or not FedEx maintains their end of the bargain for shipping is up to FedEx. Right. Um, we do have kind of, uh, we, we do have flat, we can essentially ship a, a case across the country for about 35 bucks. Which um, I mean, let's hope that keeps up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if it gets too expensive, we might have to cut some States down, but um, that's sort of our flat rate per case across the country, which is still decent. I mean, you're getting, it's about a $2.70 charge per bottle. Yep. Um, so it's, it's not cost prohibitive, but do you know when you order, you know, we're not, we're not, <clears throat> we're not trying to gouge you for shipping. Um, shipping is a, it's sort of an enemy of the beast, uh, but you will still be very, very happy with, um, with the product in the end. It's most of the wines that we sell could, probably go for double what they sell for awesome yeah i i'm, I'm excited and uh if you go to the website sawinos.com uh you'll notice some of the artwork on there uh 
done by the one, the only Katie, um, who yep. designed our artwork for No Beer Left Behind. So big shouts, Katie. Awesome work. And I know the Villains uh, had a lot to do with the, I'm sure, the coding and the the pricing and the languaging along with Frank. Uh, all around. No, it was great a total job, family y'all. effort. Total no, family effort. We, your, your family gets together and starts a fucking business. My family gets together and we just ignore our need to go to therapy. So oh. we're <laughs> different. Our families are a little bit different. Uh, y'all's very productive. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, this website between my dad and myself and Willem, we got this. So let's say last Sunday is when I indicated this needed to go pretty full steam ahead. By Thursday, the website was up. Yeah. Um, and, and let me tell you, by S- Sunday, it had two mock products and some themes around it. And by Thursday, it was launched. So, And we had the party on Sunday. It, it, it was, yeah, total family effort. It was a good success. Uh, it would be fantastic uh, if, you know, we had a couple more wine club members um taking in some of the wine it obviously you know more sales is it's more runway more and for sure. you can get more wines in so well definitely, NBL, definitely nbl b10 uh right i mean what what, what more i mean come on it's 10 percent off right there uh yep. <laughs> again that's right the pre hey the first people had to fill out a survey you don't even have to do that oh. all you have to do is go in sign up nbl b10 on the discount code and you get it <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, I, I'm, dude. I'm very, very happy for y'all. I'm very excited for uh, what, what, what goodness lays ahead, especially for uh, those single state wineries that are getting some love over here in the states right now, because they're so fucking good. Like every time I try, I've. Thank you for the description of Pinotage, by the way, because I've described it to people in my own very special way and it was it's wrong uh, i've described it wrong every time um i've described it as uh south africans uh like just manna from the dirt <laughs> and that's not right apparently i learned that pinotage clearly is just a combination of two fucking types of grapes and i wasn't smart enough to figure out hermitage well so 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 like, yeah so it's not a combination it is his own thing it's its own varietal but it is a cross That's, breed that happened in like the early 1900s, and it's got a it's got a kind of a funny story. This bush grew wild in this professor who used to do all the cross pollination shit. Mm-hmm. Um, it grew wild in his backyard, and people noticed one year it threw some grapes, and they tasted them, and they were like, "Well, this is kind of interesting. Let's try to see if we can make this into, you know, a true vine and make wine out of it." And they did. So this thing, the professor died, and the students ended up, you know, kind of figuring out how to uh, create vineyards out of this stuff. And now it's it's probably the predominant red grape grown in South Africa. That's not merlot we do grow quite a bit of merlot as well i mean here's the deal the first time you poured one for me i was like this it tasted unlike anything else i had ever had and it was yeah it's a wicked different grape and every time that you've poured i feel like i feel like you you went through there was there was a period in time in our friendship when you would try to one-up yourself in pinotage that you would that you would find because this is before this is pre 
bringing it into the country. You're literally finding yeah. this shit on shelves in places. And every now and then you would come in like, taste this. Like, oh, this is phenomenal. $14. Like, whatever the hell, like, you'd be like, no, this one, $22. What do you think? Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is fucking amazing. This is the, one, some of the best wine. And then, do you remember going to, I don't remember where the fuck it was. I don't know. Like, I, oh, we were in, you were visiting us in, in Denton. Uh, and we stopped by the Walmart in Highland Village, the fucking hoity-toity Highland Village Walmart, and there was some fucking wine that your exact quote was, every time you see it, you gotta buy it. It was like... Chocolate block. Sure, we'll go with that. Don't know what it was, but I remember just you saying that, I was like, this this shit's about to get lit. This might be the best wine I've ever had. Frank just said, every time you see it, you gotta buy it. And I remember you pouring it for us, and our one-bedroom apartment, and I was like, nicest thing that's ever been consumed in this place right now. And then I was like, I mean, well, I mean, was, I've, I've had that experience now. I've had the experience. I'm like, <laughs> I guess that's I'm supposed to appreciate it a lot more. I'm going to take Frank's opinion on this. It was, it was no, that specific wine. It was chocolate block, and good God, it. It has gone downhill, unfortunately. <laughs> it's not what it used to be. It's not what it used to be, my friend. It's not what it used to be. It's actually cheaper now than it used to be as well because of that. It used to be like a 40-some-odd-dollar bottle, and now it's like 34 Yeah, I was going to say, at the time, it might have been the most expensive bottle of wine I've ever seen purchased. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wow, it's, this is highfalutin shit right here. We're about to... Yeah, and I, that was probably the last year that... I bought that wine. I, I used to quite enjoy it. Um, they, they made this like um, this coffee. No, the bean. They made the bean as well. And the bean was like a Pinotage coffee type deal, kind of like African Java, but I'm not actually sure how the bean was made. In any case, <clears throat> they made the bean and um, the bean also went downhill. So I, I don't I don't really know. They were both, yeah, they both just kind of went, psh, don't need to buy it anymore. Well, I'm glad I had my mic muted because I just got my uh, chair caught on my chair mat uh, and I couldn't mm. figure out what the fuck was going on. It was it was a full-on panic happening here at my house. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. All right, can we, uh, can we quickly, well, let's do a beer count real quick. All right. Hear ye, it's time for a beer count. Listen to this track. Beers. Frank, wine okay, count? I, yeah, I'm two wines in. Two wines. I'm going to get a beer here in just a second. Okay. Um, they were both absolutely delicious. Good. Nothing, nothing wrong with them. I, I always enjoy, like, when, when I see... <laughs> Nothing against your Yetis and your Ramblers and your and your Grizzlies and whatever else you got, but it's something nice to see. Like when you see a nice, clean, clear glass being swilled around by a skilled hand and then being sipped effortlessly, like while talking. It's there's something special about that. And Frank, that's what those are the vibes that I'm getting off you tonight with drinking, you know, wine out of a clear glass, ladies and gentlemen at home. Frank is notorious for drinking everything out of like an assortment of Yeti cups. 
And let me just tell you. I have a lot of those. We do have a lot of those. Let me just tell you. It really takes down on the uh, experience of drinking with someone who's just drinking out of a stainless steel lifeless cup. It, you can't it, see anything. Does it have coffee? Maybe. Is it water? <laughs> Who knows? Lemonade? Maybe. If we're lucky. Uh, it's wild. And, and that's coming from somebody who, like, practically speaking, be- one of the best drinking vessels on the planet is a double vacuum sealed stainless steel, like, drinking cup. It's gonna it keep, is. It's going to keep temperature appropriate for the longest period of time. And there's no condensation on the outside of the glass. Big win. Yep. However, you can't just like, you know, just see, ooh, like, oh, Brian's drinking something fancy. He's, he's drinking in the IPA glass, so must be something hoppy. Wait, no, he's just lazy. He didn't get a new glass after drinking the old uh, Celestial See, collab. so you could have just drank that. You could have just drank it out of a, a Yeti cup. No one would have known. Here's the issue that I have with Yeti cups, and I, I don't know if I've brought it up with you yet. The smell. No. Because uh, stainless steel is weird because, yeah, stainless steel has a smell, but if you rub it on your skin, it actually clears all oils, like all smells off mm-hmm. your skin. It's wild. Anyway, that's not the point I was going to make. The point I was going to make is uh, a while back we talked about um, hard pouring like carbonated beers and getting that nice head on the top of the beer and pouring it into a glass. That way you kind of get some of the carbonation to off gas. That way you can actually drink Beer digestion. It. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think one of the reasons you might enjoy drinking out of Yeti cups so much is because it doesn't matter how smooth you get stainless steel, no, you it, have ton like millions of nucleation points that allow carbonation to escape that beer or whatever alcohol or you know whatever did, liquid I, you're drinking. Uh, and so by the time wow. you're finished drinking it, like it's almost a still beverage at that point. Like there's all almost all the carbonation has been forced out of it. Because of the vessel it's in, not a bad thing. Not a bad. I can thing. still have the carbonation, but it's not. It's not as you're right. It's 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 a it's a bit more. It's a bit more champagne-y than it is Topo Chico. Well, like so. Here's the thing: like when you create those nucleation points and you allow the carbonation to come out of suspension of the liquid, you do in fact change the way the liquid is perceived on your palate. Now, good or bad, not, I'm not here to judge that. I'm just here to say, uh, if you change the level of carbonation in the beer, uh, you can assume that you're changing the way that the brewer wanted you to perceive it. Oh, boy. So, um. all I'm going to say... So, ladies and gentlemen at home, uh, anytime Frank gave a bad beer review on this podcast, just take... Yeah. An, there's an asterisk Grain of next salt. to every Grain one of, of those. Salt. No, I'm kidding. I, I'm kidding about no, that there part. Should, there should but, be because I'm I'm not I'm not gonna. So, a, I don't mind drinking it out of a glass, but it's a lot of effort and it doesn't stay cold as long. Uh, and B, I, I just don't I just don't care. So it still tastes <laughs> great to me. Well, and that's um, the thing. If it, if you're enjoying your experience, that's that's what I was gonna finish with. If you're enjoying your experience, don't give a fuck how you do it. Then um, I will say uh, the way Frank smokes cigars is the way I drink beers. Like the beer never stays in my glass long enough to have condensation that makes a problem on the on. And Frank never like he basically just peels the. He lights the cigar and goes ahead and peels the band off because that fucker is going to be ash in no time. He is a goddamn freight train when it comes to smoking cigars. Never seen anything do, like it. I do go through cigars real quick. Um, 
it's it's because to me it's like a it's like a 30 40 minute activity even no. though the stick might be an hour two hour smoke i can only do it for so long um I need to share this cigar aficionado article with you. It literally the ending quote: "Smoking a cigar with a friend is you know, like you can't is the only activity you can't do fast." I, I I I am happy to sit there while you finish smoking. I am happy to do, and I do, and I, do. I now I feel like we're I having the married the old married couple conversation. You can stay there as long as you want. I'm not pers- trying to rush you. No, I'm not. Because personally, <laughs> I just can't smoke for two hours. Right. So, so I and I and I like a certain level of heat to the right. smoke. Yeah, you like I, them fucking I, hot. Like, no, no, they're not that hot, but they're also not cold. Uh, yeah, like, I do like a colder smoke, a tighter draw, and a more complex roll. Like you got to fucking ooh, I like the. I like dude, the if smoke. I need to earn the smoke, I'm just putting it out. I, I'm oh. not. I'm not dealing with it. Or or I'm doing the old squishy squashy oh, roll. The the to get it loose. the Hercules. Uh, yeah, uh, fucking massage. Yeah, yeah, because I need that thing to burn. <laughs> I, I I'm not trying. I'm not trying to get it hot, but yeah. I'm also not trying to have it be so cold. Draws to me taste like I'm sucking in coals from a fire. Okay, yeah, and I don't and I don't need that. Yeah, we need to address the way the 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 right the right way the right uh, uh, draws through the through the cigar because yeah. a standard a nice even steady pull. Like it's just beautiful. It's just wonderful. Like I smoked down to a nub this morning. At by the way, I did smoke a cigar at fucking seven thirty this morning. It was hey. one of the best smokes I've had in a long time, and it was got oh so good. Anyway, I almost burned my fingers because I wasn't paying attention. I was just you know puffing away, puffing away, and it got down to the nub, and I had I fucked up. So the ash was so like the cigar was so well constructed that the ash was about that long. And I had about that much nub, so it was about uh, about a two and a half inch ash, and maybe less than a quarter inch of actual cigar to smoke. And I'm just smoking away, like looking on my phone, watching TV. Looked up, I'm like, oh god damn, my finger's hot. Oh yeah, asshole, because you smoked it down to your fingertip, which is something I never do. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful smoke, <laughs> wonderful. Had a good time. That's awesome. Uh, give me give me two seconds. No worries. I'll hit you with a beer count because I forgot to give you that. So I'll give the people the beer count here. Uh, two. Uh, uh, two two beers is what I've had. Um, so I finished off the Celestial Beer Works. Uh, modern Problems Require Modern Solutions. The collaboration from Smittix Brewing. Great job, Smittix. Fantastic. Um, Smittix Brewing is also on... Oops, almost dropped my can. Smittix Brewing is also on Instagram. So if you want to go follow him over there. Uh, you can, um, like I said, anytime uh, he's a he's a DFW based home brewer. I think he's out of uh, Plano Richardson area. I don't know, uh, but he's Smittix Brewing. S M I T T O X B R E W I N G. Over on Instagram, uh, posts a lot of cool pictures, and he also lets people know when he does collaborations with local DFW brewers. Uh, he did one with Denton County Brewing not too long ago. And like I said earlier, uh, won Martin House Brewing's contest. So I, the dude's legit. Anyway, after that, um, I cracked open a Thirsty Planet Thirsty Goat Amber Ale out of Austin, Texas. Um, I've had Thirsty Planet. Uh, I had Thirsty Planet when Frank first moved to Austin. That was one of the first. 
He forgot to mute his microphone. Okay, he just muted his microphone, which is hilarious. My Christ. There we go. Uh, no, Sorry I have, about it. It was the perfect timing for your finger to come in and just mute your microphone right after, I don't know, crushing cans or doing whatever you're doing. No, uh, I opened up some potato chips. They had a My kid. apologies. They weren't, even, they weren't sun chips. They sounded like aluminum foil. They didn't sound like the fucking no, earth ripping new, open. It's this new H-E-B bag shit. Oh, okay. Yeah, that it's was like, intense. Anyway, large. anyway, uh, Thirsty Goat is the amber ale from Thirsty Planet. And I got to be honest, uh, when the first time I had Thirsty Planet, I had Buckethead IPA. Um, <clears throat> I have that in my fridge now. It is a very old school, like Pacific Northwest double IPA. Um, it had its place in time in the beer world. I don't know that that place in time is now to my palate at least. But I will say this, um, Thirsty Goat, I had never had this before. It's listed as an amber ale. It is like if it's got American hops in it, I would be very surprised. Um, this beer just tastes like an Americanized uh, English like bitter. Very, very good. And a little higher in alcohol, like 6.8% alcohol. Like I'm very I actually like this beer a hell of a lot better than Buckethead. Um, and it's got a goddamn goat on it, which is it's a derpy ass goat at that. Frank, look at that. Got his tongue hanging out and everything. I'm down with that. So anyway, that's what I'm just finishing up now, and I think I'm going to go over to the next Celestial Beer. So, before you go, I swear to Christ that Thirsty Goat is the only thing that keeps Thirsty Planet in business because none of their other beers are of that quality. And quite frankly, Thirsty Goat at this point is even... I don't know. Try something a little bit different. Give us something more, you know. Oh, then Buckethead or Thirsty Goat? Sorry. No, Thirsty Goat. Like Buck- Buckethead is trash. I agree. Yeah. Um, well, that, I uh, just want to clear. I didn't say it was trash. I just said it, well, I didn't appreciate it. No, Frank's the quality words. of it. <laughs> the quality of it is not there. So here's the deal. That Thirsty okay. Planet is so inconsistent, and it's frustrating because the only thing they do well is Thirsty Goat, and it's because it's sold everywhere. And the rest of it's trash. I'm sorry. I, I don't. This is. I'm an Austinite. I go to this brewery. Never have I tasted anything come out of there that's of the quality of Thirsty Goat. And Thirsty Goat is getting old. So I don't know. I mean, so we talked about St. Arnold lawnmower last week. Lawnmower is goddamn near twenty something years old. But here's what I will say. But they have Art Car. So, I, so the thing that I wanted to bring thirsty up: Thirsty Goat doesn't have anything else. Like the, they don't have Thirsty anything. Planet. Thirsty oh, Planet. Thirsty Planet. Yes, okay. they don't have anything else. I, which I don't disagree. Like maybe, maybe work on that R and D there. Uh, one thing that gets me is uh, their packages are all old Boulevard packaging. Like literally the way the box is put together. To the it looks exactly the same. It's it is the same. It's fucking wild. Yeah. Um, stubby twelve ounce bottles. What I will say, sometimes, and I did this for myself, I did this myself um, when going through beer until I really took a deep dive into what the fuck I was tasting. Sometimes consistency in beer, there's a difference between consistency in beer and like quality of beer. (laughs) A beer can be very consistent, but have poor quality of recipe. 
in my opinion. I feel like Buckethead IPA is that. They, I, they, it's tasted the same for the last like six years that I've had it. It's just not good. And like, again, that's why I say like, it's a classic style, a classic example of a Pacific Northwest, like double IPA. It tastes, it's a lot of caramel malt, a lot of piney, dank, resinous uh, hops that are used in it. And those two things together were hallmarks of a double IPA in 2013. That was eight years ago. That's what I will, like, that's where I think Frank and I's argument can agree that not only do you need something new, but it needs to be in like 2020 plus terms. Yeah. And it tastes sometimes like they're the cheap version of something. Mm. And I don't know if that's ingredients. I don't know if that's process. I don't know what it is. I think it's recipe development is probably more than anything. Because Because when you're, when you're tasting it, you're like, yeah, this is good for the price. Right. And that should never be a a hallmark. That's not how beer works. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, it should be good based on volume and price, right? Like it's not celestial. You're willing to pay by the can for, because it's great beer. It's a small brewery, you know, you're supporting the small brewery. They can't ever be at the Anheuser-Busch level. And yeah, sometimes you bite the bullet. You pay the price. Now, you don't buy electric jellyfish from a fucking mass production brewery for 20 bucks for a four-pack because fuck them. Right. Um, but you're happy to pay the the five bucks from Celestial per beer to you know support them for their pints. I just feel as though Thirsty Goat has, or not Thirsty Planet, in all their beers have also always been sort of minimum barrier to my palate you know like if i if i show up yeah thirsty goat's good is it my first choice on draft at a bar yeah no um is it is it is it my go-to at a bar that has four beers that are not you know bud light Miller light cruise light maybe you know like that, that's normally the situation I find myself in where I go, okay, I'm going to have a Thirsty Goat. Mm-hmm. And that speaks to Thirsty Goat and Thirsty Planet's recipes and how they make beer more so than their ability to make good beer. They can make good beer. It's clear. They just sit around and don't do anything with these brands. They don't make new beers. They just, they're okay. They're just okay with where they're at. And it's sad because thirsty planet was one of the go-to spots in austin 10 years ago people would come down here to go to that brewery and if you come down here today and choose to go there that's that's on you like that's on you there's no fucking reason to go to thirsty planet (laughs) you've suffered some sort of head trauma on your way to austin there's just no reason there's no there's nothing interesting there and maybe you stopped in waco and were fucking beamed over the head with a ball peen hammer it's possible. Yeah, maybe you were still stuck in, you know, the 1980s and craft beer was new to you. But there there is legitimately and and with all due respect, like I know Thirsty Goat is good, people enjoy it. Thirsty there is Planet. no fucking reason to go to Thirsty Planet today. There just is not a reason. Well, not well, not when like St. Elmo is down there. You can uh-huh. go. You can go look at where uh, Skull Mechanics was. That's probably a more enjoyable experience. It uh, probably is. Um, <laughs> I can describe the Japanese rice lager to you. <laughs> ABGB is there, and you can just like go. I don't know, play in a puddle in the parking lot and be happy there. Anyway, uh, so okay. I well, hope- you could also taste the beer at ABGB because that's fucking amazing okay. lagers. 
so I opened up another collaboration beer from Celestial. This is Celestial and Jester King. Ever heard of them? Speaking of Austin breweries that are... Never heard of them. Never. I bet they're terrible. Yeah. I bet I bet you wouldn't stand in line for fucking four hours to buy... Is it beer. a sour, though? Is it a sour? It is not a sour. This is a double IPA. Are, did you bring one? Yeah, are you I've, bringing one? Yeah, the one I'm just coming okay. for you. I've got one for you on 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 each of these, uh, and then one in the in the. You, uh, we won't. I won't have it tonight. I've, I have never had a non sour Jester King. Well, period. Here's one for you, and it's called Farm Hash. P H A R M A S H. Okay. Okay. Just like pharmaceutical hash. <sighs> yeah. Probably with CBD. No, it's with Phantasm and. I don't know what in the fuck. So from what I can tell, um, there are different uh, byproducts of hops um, when you process hops. Okay. You can get hop hop cones. You have hop pellets that are dried. You have uh, hop pellets also come in different uh, vegetal percentages of cone or of, of pellets. So like they t- basically picking out the seeds and stems. Um, they have a like 97 or T90 and T92, T94, basically all hot material, 94% hot material and like 6% vegetal material. Okay. Those are all old school things. Okay. Then you have cryo hops. Cryo hops are basically a way of, uh, freezing the hop oils and, uh, peeling them off the hop leaves. And you just have this like kind of pile of powder, um, of hop matter. And from what I can tell, Phantasm is, like, next level of that. I don't know what the fuck it is. I have no idea. Uh, I just know that a lot of breweries, including Other Half, uh, fucking, uh, let's see, Other Half, Trillium. Okay, so it's, it's, it's an East Coast hop. No, 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 no. It's not. That's the thing. It's not a hop. It's a fucking, it's a thiol, which basically is a single so hops are made of about 200 essential oils. Yeah, but does it make shit like more hazy, more fruity, well, more citrusy? Hops, like, hops don't... Uh, d- 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 fuck if I know. Um, thiols are one of those 200 essential oils. Uh, some of the others are myrcene. Uh, myrcene is one of the most prevalent hop oils, and breweries like Odell actually make a myrcene uh, double IPA, which they single out that oil and use as much of it in their brewing process as possible. Do they just um, like distill it beforehand? Uh, they, they they can. There's different ways to strip those oils out because uh, those oils, just like other things, will boil off at a certain temperature. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And you can That's capture them. Uh, so, yeah, maybe. I don't fucking know. What's wild is I, I the way it's listed on this can is like it's a brewery because it goes Celestial, Jester King, Phantasm. And when I type in Phantasm... I just get hot, hot material and a bunch of fucking horror movie shit. It, this is wild to me. Like this is unlocking a bunch of stuff uh, that now I want to go research. And also to tie it into the last beer that I just had, Frank, a bunch of goddamn goats all over this can. So look at that. Goats. goats, and goats. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, I, there's <laughs> all I will say about Jester King is there is a reason that Belgium is sending their brewers to Central Texas. That's all I'll say. Yeah. There is a fucking reason for it. These guys have a different way of thinking about brewing beer. No matter how big they get, they still think different. 
Well, and that's that's all that needs to be said about them. Like it's they're they are reinventing what you could do with a hop strain. They're, they're, in, a, they're, in, in a region that honestly shouldn't be able to grow well, hops. No, their their focus isn't on hops, Frank. Their focus is actually anti-hop for their beers that they brew themselves. Belgian beers in general stay away from hops altogether. But oh, what fair Belgian enough. Brewers, I guess I made the wrong statement. But, they, but they, like the way that they're going about things is just very so different. Their ingredient usage is wild uh, in that they, one, try to grow their own ingredients as much as possible. Um, obviously, barley... Does doth not grow in hot ass central Texas. It will just fucking dust over. No, nothing actually. Nothing. <clears throat> nothing core to beer making grows here. Water is even scarce here. So, um, yeah. <laughs> but th- what they do is uh, Jester King, being a, a classic fucking farmhouse brewery, they try to grow their herbs and their spices that they throw into their beers, um, and it like literally started with them. Like I. Swear, I remember an article from the early 2010s of like them growing rosemary on their yep. farm, and and that was like their oh, we use this in our beer. Okay, first off, it was like 2011, 2012. No one was fucking putting rosemary in their shit. They were they're growing it themselves and goddamn putting it in their in their Belgian beers, uh, and it just took off. Like all their shit, they you're absolutely correct though. They do things their own way. Um, and that's why they attract the crowd that they attract, uh, because the, the, the old school, like Belgian brewers in particular, that's how they, that's, that's why farmhouse style ales exist. It's because you use, but that's what also you have why they're so you. interested, right? Like, I think, I think the respect that they're paying to this little fucking brewery in the middle of like South Austin, Texas speaks volumes to traditional beer making yeah. right like they are literally sending their own brewers to come see what these people are doing mm-hmm. because they've won their categories for like six seven years running um in in variety of car- categories right like jester king will always win something in a given year well what's wild um, is they don't have like the things that they win they never enter themselves like their shit wins no. based on reputation and like crowd value which is rare and and so, one of those things that's easily hateable i guess there's some things that it's the first thing that people until, turn until, their until nose you up. go to the brewery yep you can hate it but it, once you leave that brewery and you understand how much of a family business that thing is and how small their brewing space is and how they're not it, it like they they are one of the most famous sour breweries on earth, and they are still the same size today that they were seven years ago when they built that place. So it's all about respect. Respect the game. They're not trying to get bigger. They know they can't get much bigger. They know they don't have that much more space to expand. So their prices go up. Yeah. So if you wanna if you wanna buy Jester King, it's gonna be more expensive, but you're going to be guaranteed a pure product. That's made in the best method for the style. Period. Here's the on deal. Earth. Like when the people who invented the fucking style yeah. send their people to you, you know you've done what you needed to do, and that's that's only Jester King in this country that can speak to that at the moment. Well, what's awesome about Jester King is <laughs> uh, they've also produced, uh, brew, they've had people come through, brew in their system, brew in their setup, develop recipes for them, and then leave. One of those people being Avery Swanson, who was a 
brew. I think I don't know if she was the brewmaster there or she just started. Uh, yeah, no, she became the brewmaster in 2016. Sorry, um, at Jester King. Now she is running her own operation in Chicago, where that's awesome. It's basically the same setup. She's sourcing all of all of the materials that are going into the beer in Ch- the beer that she's making in Chicago, uh, and making sure that down to the barley down to the grain everything is sourced from the right people the right ingredients to make the finished product she, that she place is called able to make even better beer that place is called keeping together by the way if you're up in okay. chicago i know she opened it right at the beginning of 2020 so i hope that she is still rolling strong knowing her like avery is a, a fantastic fantastic person um backstory um she is I don't know if they're still together, but for the longest time, she was with Pat Fahey, who is the youngest master Cicerone. Um, Pat also is the one who taught me uh, and gave me uh, lessons to pass my certified Cicerone. Um, he also continuously gives me shit on a regular basis for failing the first two times taking the tasting exam after having crushed the fuck out of the written exam. Pat's a good dude, uh, but Avery is better, I will say that. It all comes with the rub. So it does. Here's what I'll say: um, up there, she should be able to, with her access to ingredients, make even better beer. Oh yeah. Um, if she's following the Jester King style, like I, I guess you know, uh, Brian can attest to this. I hate sour beer. Um, I respect the fuck out of Jester King for what they're doing. Um, it's not my first choice of a brewery to go to. But once you see it and once you understand what these people mean to beer worldwide, yeah, like we're not we're not talking about impacts in Texas. Dude. We're not talking about like other half impacting, you know, hazy IPAs on the East Coast. No, no, no. There is not another brewery in this country that has impacted the world of brewing globally as much as Jester King. I'll write my name next to it. It is very, very difficult to impact the style as much as they have. I will give you Belgian style and to to a country that means so much to brewing. That's I will give you that. I Um, mean, that's just like they fucking in Belgium. You go to a restaurant and they go, oh, yeah, we only have beers within 20 miles from here. You probably never heard of them. What do you want? What style? Okay, yeah, this is this. Bam, bam. Uh, they wouldn't ask you style because um, they don't believe in style. No, understood. But they're like, <laughs> no, but it's 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 like a light dark, you know, whatever. Um, it, I didn't speak French. So I just pointed to a fucking menu. But in any case, <laughs> they 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 have options, right? Yeah. And and everything. They're very proud that everything comes within an X amount of radius from the restaurant. Yeah. Uh, and those people sent people multiple times. They still do it to this fucking podunk spot outside of Austin to come learn what these people are doing. I mean, it boggles the mind. Frank, do you it's remember the first time we went there crazy. in 2013 or no, I guess it was 2014 mm-hmm. when we drove past it, had to turn yeah. around in some cow pasture. And then when we went to leave the place, we got full on stuck because there were no signs telling us where to fucking leave. You can't go that way. Yeah, yeah. we were in the middle of their field. Yeah. So, <laughs> and that yes, was and and, and I also ago. remember the fact that they 
they accommodate. So they knew they heard that I didn't like sour beer. And the guy was like, well, this isn't too sour. Taste that. They even have you wine know, like, there. Like that's where how they how, have some wine as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I tasted some of the sours. I can do I can do sours in like half pours. I just can't do sours for a full committed like eight um, ounce 12 ounce pour. I just can't do it. I'll, I'll do eight um, hours straight and I got no problems. But yeah, no, no big, big, big fucking. If, if, if you're coming down to Austin, it really, if you're coming down to Texas on a beer tour, tour and it, you're not putting Jester King at the top of that list, you need to really think about it. Um, yeah. In Austin, to me, it's Jester King. It's ABGB. Those are the two. If you miss those two, you're missing two, like top shelf representations of the styles of what they're making. And ABGB and Jester King both have pizza. Maybe it's a sign. Mm. Maybe it's a sign. Mm. Don't, don't you don't need to go to Pine House. You don't need to go to Pine House. <laughs> go uh. to Saint Elmo. Saint Elmo has a better fucking hazy ipa than the electric jellyfish i promise you and it's not going to cost you twenty dollars for a four pack still better still better about the twenty dollar four pack uh how how so okay i'm gonna we're gonna close on this because i'm interested to see where your head is i know where i'm at how excited are you for friday okay so i asked i asked this because rewind two years ago when this brewery like opened up and became a thing. I remember your first comment was what the fuck is up with Allstat and why are they advertising? I feel like they're advertising too hard. Like they're doing too much. And I, I didn't disagree with you. And I had my own take on what the fuck they were actually doing. And then I think both of us have seen the light. And hopefully Friday we will see the goddamn supernova that is Allstat Brewing itself. You've already been, so like yep. you're you you you've you've been there. Uh, hopefully we we can take you to the bowels of of the brewery on Friday. So 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 I'm very excited to ask them that question. Um, and the question is, why did you advertise so hard? Right at the beginning, because it's counter Austin. You don't do that. Like, if you want people to come somewhere in Austin, it is word of mouth. It's like guerrilla advertising. If if you're on the radio, people don't go. Yeah. So I, I think what the difference is. It's they, Fredericksburg. It's Fredericksburg. It's not Austin, yeah. and they need. And they it, like, they built this like destination brewery, and they did. Um. So so. I'd like to just get get their take on it, right? Like, just were you also kind of weirded out by the fact that this is the way that this happened? Because it, it is totally counter Austin. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, um, it, uh, I didn't buy their beer initially because of it. And then as soon as you taste it, as soon as you taste the German style Kolsch that is fucking perfect, like stupidly so. Yeah. Like you can't get this style on tap yet, let alone in a can shipped over overnight from Germany, and it tastes no different, right? In in Central Texas. Like yeah. it is a very fucking good beer. Yeah. 
um, true to style. As soon as I tasted that, all of those worries went away because Altstadt, man, if they're not the best German brewery in the States in 10 years, I don't know what went wrong. I, like they don't make bad beer. No. They don't make, if, if they're not at every Oktoberfest in this country in 10 years, I don't know what went wrong again. Like, they are the perfect fucking version of what German brewing should be in the States. They do everything correctly. They have the right stills. They've got everything. There's no there's no reason Altstadt should be limited to Fredericksburg, Texas experience, period. I Here's the deal. Their Oktoberfest, um, it needs, they need to change the name of it <clears throat> and sell it year-round. That's one of the best beers I've ever had. Like, period. Yep. It's fucking phenomenal. Uh, Kolsch, I am a big fan of as well. Frank, I know we've talked about it personally. It was a style of beer that got me into beer in general. But also, um, most people don't like Kolsch's. No. And this this is a Kolsch that is not... Um, like, American Kolsch's tend to be... Well, no such thing as American Kolsch. A lot of people label shit as Kolsch, and it is—it's like a golden ale. That's what I'm saying. Like, like they're—they're they're not interesting. No, like you're they're drinking essentially blonde kind of fucking mishmash. This is a true Kolsch. Yeah. Like you will taste something that you've never tasted. The beer that I made for your bachelorette party—that was a was true Kolsch, and it was—it yeah. tasted—it tasted good. I'm not gonna lie. I, I like. Mm-hmm. I, I'm usually a harsh critic on my own shit. It no, was you very are good. absolutely correct. Like it's a it, reason it didn't survive the weekend for me. It was better than uh, St. Arnold lawnmower, but that was because it was also super fresh and it was at my house and it only cost me like $25 to make. However, um, five gallons of mind you, I didn't make a six pack for $25. I'm not a fucking idiot. Anyway, uh, all that to say is, uh, all believe it. All stat Kolsch fucking blows it out of the water, uh, to the point where you remember when we came to visit y'all up when you, when you were living in New York and we went yes. to that the bar after Mrs. Brian and I got back from the Broadway show and we were at a bar right across. It was like at the base of the Brooklyn bridge. This was not the burp castle. No, fuck. No, (laughs) no, fuck that place. (laughs) No, uh, fuck you. Yeah. Like this is that we're going to save that story for another cast because I, we, we need to address that. And I hope that lady has fucking lost a limb since she fucking shushed us. Anyway, uh, and like an important limb, maybe a thumb, maybe just a thumb. That's all it is. Anyway. Yeah, that's not a limb. You're talking about a digit. I'm talking about a digit that separates her from the fucking rest of the animal kingdom. A limb is serious at all times. So maybe retract limb, replace digit, and we'll be cool. I stand by it because here's the deal. Like, (laughs) if it's a lower leg below the knee... <laughs> Same thing as a thumb, in my opinion. I don't, I don't know. Oh, uh, uh, okay, okay. Anyway, you get prosthesis at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's okay. the it's the manipulation that a yeah. thumb can. It's bring. all about willpower, then. Just exactly. try harder. Yeah, try yeah. to pull pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Yeah, exactly. Singular, not yeah, not yeah. anyway. Get yourself a cheetah limb. <sighs> Yeah, maybe Oscar, you can be Oscar. Oscar <laughs> we both went for the fucking kill your girlfriend <laughs> yeah, yeah. joke at the same uh, time. Okay, just don't buy a shotgun and just, you won't have that issue. Yeah, and don't fire randomly into. Anyway, no. Frank, where no, was that no, bar? No, where was that bar? That's not what he did. That's not what he did. He murdered her. He murked her ass no out of a fucking it. bathroom. Uh, no, the bar that was at the base of the Brooklyn Bridge or close to it was on the east side of Manhattan. 
we met with you, Willem, Katie, and we had, I remember, a, a table full of Sooner Kolsch. And I say that because that was the closest I have been to Germany. I knew that was the closest Kolsch that I was, like, closest, fresh, freshest Kolsch I was going to get. Uh, it was full of Kolsch, uh, Stangies, with Stange, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's a, basically a cylindrical glass uh, that is slightly fluted at the top that is specifically designed yeah, and for short Kolsch. and short I, it's technically in germany they're supposed to be like eight to ten ounces but these in new york city were 12 ounces but mcswirlies yeah. mcswirlies okay uh they also had old speckled hen which we fucking crushed yes, they did. uh dude you can't go wrong with that up. beer it, it, literally our bar on, table, on, on tap you cannot go wrong with old speckled hen our bar table was full of fucking stangies and like uh known it glasses uh just decimated those goddamn kegs at night. Very proud of myself. That Kolsch, as fresh as it was, fucking could not hold the, couldn't hold the jock strap to Altstadt Kolsch. I'm very excited to go taste it from the source to see if it has any difference, and I will judge harshly. Uh, but I'm fucking, I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped. The, the highlight of the weekend, besides friends, whatever, is... All stat brewing. I'm very excited to go check yeah. them out. No, I'm I'm looking forward to all stat. And then on the on the flip side, I really am, and I, I'm not trying to overhype it, but I am looking forward to going to Inwood. I mean, it's um, going to follow up all stat, so I'll already be buzzed. I'm sure. So um, I'm just looking forward to it because it Fredericksburg for those who travel there um, can be a bit of a disappointing experience. Not not from the. Um, the overall experience, but just from the level of wine. Yeah. Um, I, it, if people truly enjoy wine, it's not always a place that delivers. And here's what I'll say on that. Like, I, I, I agree. Uh, after our last trip there, and this was pre-child uh, and definitely pre-COVID, um, I didn't have the best wine experience there. However, it was really good to hang out with, with Mrs. Brian and be away, yada, yada, yada. This trip, regardless of the quality of wine, this is the first time that I'm being able to hang out with you and, and Mrs. Frank. Uh, like, oh, no, the, the oh, wine will be good. The, the wine will be good. No, I'm talking about in general, the weekend and, and the yes. The, the, and it's going to be awesome. It's also going to take our minds away from uh, the last goddamn 18 months, hopefully. Uh, and and where we can like have some semblance of normalcy before, you know, whatever happens in the next fucking two months. You know, it's all I'm going to, yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that. And we're going to be fucking happy. We're going to have a good, <coughs> no, but it'll good be fun. Time. I, I think, I think what's, what's, um, what Frederick, Fredericksburg, Freddiesburg offers, Freddiesburg mm-hmm. offers is, is kind of a good time in general. Yeah. If you're at all inclined to like, it's, it's a very unique part of the nation in that you've got, uh, distilleries, some of the top ones. You've got beer, some of the top ones. You've got wineries, some of the top ones. Um, you know, people want to go to Napa, sure, go to Napa, do your thing, go taste some really sweet, fruity wines that you enjoy. Just it's jammy. Enjoy it. I'm getting jammy. Out yeah, of this. I have zero interest in Napa Valley. No. Like, I think it's a totally overrated wine region. Um, yeah, sure, they have, you know, flavors that i guess are important in wine i don't know 
Uh, the French could never get those flavors because their fucking grapes are old as shit. Well, no, not just that. They don't get the residual sugar for a reason because they don't pump as much water into the vineyards. And there's a lot of reasons. Like, I don't know. Napa Valley to me is so overrated for what they grow. Probably at this point, it's just me. But um, <laughs> Frank's a lone holdout. I <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, dude, 60 bucks for a cab sob. Fuck off. Um, you, you I like don't literally, with that. I don't you disagree. can charge me 20 bucks for something that's a third is good. No, a, a tenth is good. I was gonna say, happy. we're just doing doing straight math. Yeah. That's what we're no, doing. Now. I, that was my problem. <laughs> um, I, I spoke too soon. Um, no, but in, in the end, like, it's not, there's no, there's no fucking cab solve in the world. Uh, that's worth what people are charging. It's just yeah. not like it's it's not possible to make a wine for a thousand dollars bottle. To, just it's not take, possible to take that context up one level. To visit Napa Valley is prohibitively expensive. Period. Yeah. What are you? It didn't used it? to be. These people used to sell fucking wine out of their barns for two dollars a bottle. <laughs> Get the yeah get the fuck out of here if you're telling me all of a sudden this is the thousand dollar of of fucking bottle world-class wine nah it's good wine understood for what it is it's jammy 90 percent of it um but that's yeah dude people the camus camus i've had bottles of camus in my fucking fridge i've I've probably drank seven or eight of that bitches different fucking years different vintages whatever it tastes the same. It's bullshit wine. It's it's sweet. It's jammy. It's there's no reason for it to be seventy dollars a fucking bottle. Yeah. Don't buy Camus. Camus is bullshit wine. Yeah. Um. So yeah. No. Go to Freddy'sburg. Freddy's. Fredericks. Freddy's. Whatever you want to call it. Berg. <laughs> um. But enjoy. Uh. Enjoy the beer. Enjoy the distilleries. I don't know the wine. And hey. would. I, I'm looking for I'm looking for looking forward to two things. One, like I'm not looking forward to uh, Allstat so much because I know it's going to be good. So, pff, what am I going to set my sights even higher than fucking great? <laughs> oh yeah, no, fair enough. Can't do yeah. that. You know what I'm looking forward to? Uh, uh, lobster rolls, lobster rolls at, on Saturday night. We got that plan. You got to check out that itinerary, Frank. Uh, Mrs. Brian put the whole thing together. It's pretty fucking sick. Lobster rolls, lobster rolls in Freddy'sburg. I mean, I figure by that time the alcohol will kill any food poisoning that we'll uh, incur. Uh, but it's gotten good reviews. So, lobster okay. rolls, handcrafted cocktails. Uh, oh. Those are the two things that I'm looking forward to. Uh, and if we, if you and I, here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm getting close. I'm getting close to the microphone. If Frank and Brian can break away from the ladies. And go to the metal dive bar in Frederick. Oh yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it. Oh, it's gonna be sick. What's it, Doss? Uh, it sounds like a white supremacist fucking haven. Is oh, the downside? Dude, this, this lady loves me. Like I went there. Uh, what last time we went? It was about six months ago, and. I speak Afrikaans and she speaks Flemish and she yeah, understands me. It's like 70%. It's like English or it's, it's like Spanish yeah, it's and like Portuguese. 80%, you know, similar. 
Uh, yeah, that's uh, Dar Davil is the name. Dar Davil, yeah, not Dar- Das Boot, which was what I was thinking it was. Uh, Dar Davil, yeah, Dar, yeah. Which when Frank brought this up to me, I was like, "Are you just mispronouncing the word Daredevil? Is that what you're doing right now?" And you're no. like, "No, no, that's not it. That's not it." Okay, so uh, I accidentally clicked Post Malone, so we're gonna go out. No, let's do it. Let's do it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us this week and every other week on Nowhere Left Behind. Um, G boy. Go like on, Little Troy. I don't think Little Troy. <laughs> the rapper no, Little Troy. Like I'm li- He said, "Said little mommy, you a G boy? Yeah. Some, some, some. Like I'm Little Troy. I don't think. Uh, n- hold up. Now we gotta. Now we gotta fucking find the lyrics because yeah. Little Troy doesn't get a shout out and fucking wow. There's I'm no sure way he does. Wow, does he? You're about to be embarrassed. Oh my god! She said she tired of little money, need a big boy. Pull up 20 inch blades like I'm Lil Troy. And that is important. 20 inch blades on the Impala. Totally incorrect, but Lil Troy is. Lil Troy threw it. That was the main argument, really. It was just Lil Troy's mention. And you know what? Shout out to Lil Troy. This this episode dedicated to Lil Troy. You know, RIP. RIP Lil Troy. All right. He might or might not be dead. Thank you for listening to this episode and every other episode. Uh, rate and rev- leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts because I don't think there are any other podcasts that you can or podcast applications you can leave a review on. If there is, send us a message over on Twitter and Instagram at NoBeerLeftCast. Let us know where you left us a review. Maybe you'll get something cool. I don't know. Uh, for Brian here in Dallas, Texas. Until the next time, I'm out. For Frank in far, far, far south, Dallas, Texas, I really hope Brian and I do not get arrested for stealing any encyclopedias this weekend. But if we do, we'll just tell the cops we'll be able to explain everything. I'm out. Okay. <laughs>